Amen. Amen. I just want to challenge you, if it's your first time with us this morning on your way out today, please feel free to go through these double doors. Uh, We've got a free gift for you, uh, something that just gives you, uh, number one, it's a gift for you, and number two, we've got some information on the church and just kind of shares a little bit of who we are and what God is doing uh, as we get going. If you weren't here last week, we kind of just picked up and continued, uh, and two, two big things that we kind of took away and, and two major points, one on the idea of rest, somebody say rest, and the other one, it was the full idea of asking and seeking and knocking. And, you know, I want to take it this way, and I want to begin to share because I do very well sense that God is doing something powerful in your life. And I tell you what, the reason why I love coming up here week after week is not to share my favorite thoughts, not to share my next great sermon, not to share something that I just think is cool to talk about. No, no, no. The reason I want to share with you this morning is because I do believe that God has given me a specific work for you this week. And I want you to hear that because I don't, I think sometimes we, we overcomplicate the character of God. God speaks, we listen, we move. Come on. But I think sometimes as we try to get walking and we start talking and we start negotiating with God and we start living our lives, these challenges are very real because our relationship is not as real. Come on. And we don't realize that as a friend of God, it needs to be very natural for us to approach his throne. It needs to be very natural for us to walk in a place and to understand that we can take a moment, whether in the bathroom, in the car, in our workplace, at lunch, we can take our moment because he's with us to the ends of the earth. And now I want to share this message this morning because I just really, really feel from my heart that God wants you to understand how much of a friend he is. I'm going to start with a story this morning that I heard this week in the news. Uh, and for, your eye, for the eye roller, for the sport eye rollers, please go ahead and eye roll before I share my sports story this morning. <laughs> but as I was going through, the title of today's message is, You Got the Wrong Guy. And the reason why I titled it was based on, number one, the heart of what I felt I want to share with you today. And number two, a nice funny story that I heard this week. As I'm reading through the news and, and all this stuff, I'm, I'm looking and how many of you are Yankee fans out there? Any Yankee fans? Yeah, sorry. It's okay. You're, you're really good, but I don't like any of you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm reading through it, right? And for those of you that may have just caught this random tabloid, right? It says, Yankees GM arrested. I'm like, oh, man, another dude arrested that we know about, right? What the heck did this guy do? Well, he didn't do nothing, right? So apparently, the Yankees general manager had his car stolen. And in the database of the city that had the car reported stolen, they never erased the fact that they had gotten the car back. And so the Yankees general manager is driving down the highway, okay? He's driving and driving. All of a sudden, woo, right? He's pulled over, not just one cop car, but multiple cop cars. And then he hears over the loudspeaker, sir, please turn off the engine, step out of the vehicle, and walk backwards towards our car. He's like, what did I do? <laughs> you know, I mean, we don't live in this guy's shoes because you can imagine all the things he's involved in. He's like, oh, my gosh. He's like thinking through everything, right? He gets to the back, and he's like, uh, guys, you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. This is my car. And they're like, yeah, ha-ha, you're the Yankees GM. That's right. I'm in charge of the Yankees because everyone's in charge of the Yankees, right? <laughs> if you have the Yes Network, you're in charge of the Yankees, right? <laughs> and so he gets to the end, and they've got him at gunpoint. I want you to understand this. They've got this guy at, the Yankees, you can go read it, go find it on the internet, you're probably looking for it now, right? They have this guy at gunpoint. Well, as you hear it, they got the wrong guy. 
They forgot to clear his name, uh, his, his car in the database because that had been stolen from his home. And when they thought this was the guy, they were convinced, man, we were the guys to catch the car who stole for the Yankees GM. They probably thought they were getting some tickets, but they did not get anything out of this. <laughs> the reason I share that illustration along with the title of my message for you this morning is because I feel like some of you are on a mission to take back your life and you want to live your best life now. How many of you kind of get nauseous of saying something like that? Anybody nauseous with me? Because I am, okay. Right, I'm living my best life now, right? And <clears throat> I need you to understand that on this mission to living your best life now, many of you have arrested the wrong person in your life. Many of you are trying to fix things in your family, your personal life, Many of you are trying to make adjustments in and around what you do live and breathe, but you've arrested the wrong person. You've started to not understand and not be able to discern the actual causes and roots of your problems. You've begun to place blame on your spouse, on your children, on your job, on the many things around you. And I want to talk to you this morning because I want you to read, and if you have your Bibles with me, turn to the book of Chronicles, okay? Turn to 1 Chronicles 21 with me this morning. Because this passage is so important to beginning to understand our decisions, our actions, the enemy who's at work, and so much more. You see, I think for a lot of us, we're trying to grow. We're saying, hey, Pastor Nick, I really, I want to be a better Christian. I want to be a better person. I want to take my life in this way. I want to see God do miracles. I want to see all these things happen. But I want you to hear me. Many of you are wrestling. You're arresting. You're taking captive the wrong things. You're forgetting the things that are at work in front of you and behind you, and, and, and I want to go there in just a moment, but I want to break something down for you for a second. The three most usual suspects in the case that you have boils down to three things. Number one, yourself. Forget everybody else. Forget all the people that you just named in your head. Well, that person wronged me. That person did this. Pastor Nick, you don't know what happened when I was 15. You don't know where I've walked. You don't know who my parents were. No, no, do me a favor. Put all that aside for a moment. Because as a friend of God, God wants to talk to you today. He wants to deal with you today. He wants to minister to your heart today. And so as we start to recognize the source of the attacks on our life, which is my very first point for you this morning, I want you to begin to look in three areas. Number one, yourself. And the part one of you that I want you to look at is the decisions you knowingly made. The ones that you would say to me today, hey man, I'm an adult. I made these decisions. I know what that comes with. I signed up for that. I walked my family into that. I took myself into that. I gave permission to things with that. And so I want you to grab part one, and that's you owning the decisions you've made, knowing the consequences, knowing the possibilities, knowing the repercussions. Are you with me so far? Number two, your flesh. The part two of the you decisions are the ones that you say, Nick, I just need to be clear. My heart was in the right place, but I made a bad move. I made bad decisions with bad people, with bad wisdom. I did not know the outcome. I didn't know it would go there. I didn't know how it would get there. I, I didn't perceive this. I didn't see this. But, 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 but this happened. This is where we're at today. And so the first one is, is the decisions we knowingly make. The second one is the, are the decisions that as a result of this fallen world that we live in, 
right? The sin that permeates most often through our life, these things that we sit back, and even us, after that really horrible discussion we have, and we're kind of embarrassed at our own actions or our own words or maybe even how we handle ourselves, right? We're just like, man, I didn't intend to do that. However, you did it. Is somebody with me this morning? So we've got two culprits right now. We've got two possibilities, two suspects, right, in this understanding of, hey, I want a better life. I want to be closer to God. I want to be deeper with God. There's two problems that are happening so far. And then here's the third one, and we know it very clearly, and that is the devil who is constantly walking and seeking to destroy our life. We don't have to look much further, and I need you to get comfortable as Christians understanding that you have a living, breathing, spiritual phenomenon called the devil. Name him what you want, but he's after you. And here's the problem. For some of us, it should actually scare us that things seem so easy in life because that means we're not messing with his kingdom. And now I'm not telling you to be a provocative, arrogant person, but what I am saying to you is that according to Scripture, if you're living out your God-given destiny, it's not supposed to be a smooth road. It's going to come with bumps. It's going to come with challenges. It's going to come with places and moments and faces even that you have a hard time with, but what happens is you have to remember that you have this promise greater than your presence. You have this promise beyond your circumstance. And I know as we deal with this, I want to deal with us this morning in these three areas. In Second, uh, First Chronicles 21, if you'll read with me in verse 1 this morning. Because my heart is that you would recognize the source of the attacks on your life. Satan rose up against Israel. Is that clear? I didn't know if that first part was clear. Who was it? Satan. Okay. Very direct. There's an opposition here. Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. So David said to Joab and the commanders of the troops, go and count the Israelites from Beersheba to Dan, then report back to me so that I may know how many there are. But Joab replied, may the Lord multiply his troops a hundred times over. My Lord, the king, are they not all my Lord's subjects? Why does my Lord want to do this? Why should he bring guilt on Israel? Let me pause there and say it this way. If you want to grow in the Lord, you need to find a Joab. You need to find somebody who's going to walk next to you that's not going to yes you to death in the positions that you have in life. You see, Joab understood something in the context of this scripture. He said, hey man, wait a minute. This census had a specific purpose under the laws of Moses. I want you to track with me, and if you want to do your own Old Testament study, feel free to. He said, I want you to remember this is not the intention. David, what are we doing? God didn't didn't give us this instruction. He told us he'll multiply our armies as we need them. There's been no one that could stand against us. David, why are we taking a census? It's not wrong to take a census. I want you to follow me this morning because this is the you that knowingly knows what's right. No, no, I know what God said and I know what he showed Moses, but, but listen, and now watch how it couples with the you that doesn't really know, the ignorant you. Yeah, but, you know, taking a census isn't wrong, right? No, no, it's not wrong. No. No, the taking the census is not wrong. No, but David, hello. He told us that when we take the census, it's for this specific reason. This is not your heart. Oh, oh, come on, man. Joab, come on, come on. Go do, just, just go do that, Joab. Just go, and Joab's like, listen, man. <laughs> Read with me, verse four. The king's word, however, however overruled Joab. So Joab left and went throughout Israel, and then he came back to Jerusalem. 
Joab, in verse 5, reported the number of the fighting men to David. In all Israel, there were 1,100,000 men who could handle a sword, including 470,000 in Judah. But Joab did not include Levi and Benjamin in the number because the king's command was repulsive to him. This command was also evil in the sight of God, and so he punished Israel. Then David said to God, I have sinned greatly by doing this. Now I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a very foolish thing. David, a man after God's own heart continuously, struggled mightily against these three suspects in our case this morning. David was a very wise man. David was a very stupid man. David had many wise people around him. And David had an adversary. David had somebody against him. That when coupled with the flesh, he could not overcome because he wasn't walking in God's will. And I want you to hear me splice this for you this morning because I think we struggle often when bad things happen and we start, and the, and the blame game usually starts with who? God. God, why haven't you? God, I've been faithful before. God, I have, why haven't you? And you go ahead and fill in the blanks. I've been asking you these things, Lord, and now I get this? And I think we wrestle with problems in scriptures like this, but I want to give you this this morning because I want you to be able for yourself to begin to split them apart and be able to understand that, yes, God loves you. Yes, he is your friend. And looking at Joab just the way you did, he is the kind of friend who's going to say to you, hey, hey, I don't want you to do that. You shouldn't walk there. You shouldn't go there. Don't take that job. Take this one. Go to this position. Don't do that. But in the end of the day, Joab represents the heart of the Trinity. The heart of the Trinity. And that's that God is a respecter of persons. And anything outside of his will, as we walk and we breathe, he's going to allow us, because he didn't make robots, he's going to allow us to make decisions. And so Joab said, man, you're in charge, bro. What are we doing? He said, go ahead, do that. Go take the census, even though I, even, I know it's wrong. No, no, I'm telling you, go take the census. All right, man. And as he does this, because I, I want you to grab this this morning, the struggling part that sits in Joab is the reality of the accountability you and I need in this world today, church. And as we look at this and we look at David continue, I want you to hear me because David's decisions come with a consequence. And I'm going to keep reading for you in just a moment. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's read together in verse 22. David said to him, let me have the sight of your threshing floor so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Sell it to me at full price. Here's what happens in the context of the full scripture. And I want to challenge you to go back and read through this chapter this week because it's very powerful in understanding from beginning to end exactly what was happening in David. But I'm going to walk through a few things with you. Number one, David knowingly. Right, we've got this already. David knowingly chose to go against what God had instructed him. Number two, David initially justified his actions by weighing them up against what others might do. I want you to hear that. 
So the regular knowledge of, of what was right, the wise David, hey, hey, that part maybe, but he used it, and what canceled out his normal wisdom, right, and allowed the enemy to work in was by him looking around and comparing himself. Oh, but, but, but you know, don't normal people do that? Come on, how many, how many of us hear that throughout our week as an excuse of why people do things? Come on now. But my friends, this is what it's like, my my. There's other couples that, that, that raise their kids like this. There's, there's other people who, who, who talk like that and walk like that. Listen to me. The day people's standard become higher than God's standard, we failed. I know for many of you, including myself, I wasn't the greatest student of God's word when I was a kid. And so the Bible just didn't come easy like sports did. And I'm glad it didn't. Because it caused me to dig further than I could anything else. It caused me to be hungrier. It caused me to have to go in and find scriptures like this where somebody who knew God and loved God and found the heart of God would sit here and, and knowingly make decisions that would then cost him and then have to turn around and repent. I want you to follow me because I don't think you got the last part this, 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 this way, and I'll say it this way. Making decisions, right? Make decisions today knowing they will affect your tomorrow. I think this is a point that I want you to grab from David because if you, if you go and you continue to read through the context of it, right, because of David's choice, basically God gave him three choices. He said either I bring this, I do this, or this happens, and he go ahead and spelled it out for him in the chapter. And David had to choose one. And unfortunately, as he began to choose and as he stopped and as things happened, 70,000 people, to be exact, died that day because of the actions. God bless you. The actions and decisions he made. I don't think as leaders, and I, and I want to talk to you as a leader this morning, because, you know, I, I've got the middle school kid in here who would walk around and say, oh, come on, Pastor Nick, I'm just in middle school. Does it really matter what I do today? I, my grades, they don't really count to high school, right? I've got my high schooler saying, no, you know, I'm not really an adult. I'm not ready for all that adulting. I'm not, I'm not ready for, a, when I get to college, it'll be the real world, right? It, it'll be, and then I've got our, our young adults, and then we've got our adults as they, they continue to walk, kind of living in this world of, ah, oh, well, you know, I, I, I kind of made that decision as a younger person, and I guess it's really not that wrong. And so we, we just got this long line of, well, I guess it's not important now to then, man, I wish I would have done that when I was 15. Is anybody with me this morning? Come on. And somewhere along the line, we've got to stop and talk to each other. Somebody's got to cut it off. Somebody's got to be able to look at the middle school kid and say, listen, I know you don't think what you do now matters, but here's why it does. There are middle school kids in prison in the United States. Come on now. There are middle school and high school kids who are struggling with things today in their 60s. Now, fast forward 40, 50, 60 years. And they know that the root of it was what they found when they were 12, what they experienced when they were 10. You see, I don't think we get this as leaders, and this was David's problem as he began to rise up and lead and understand the consequences and the weight of being in the position he was in. You see, it wasn't about David. It was about God's plan that he wanted to carry out through David, but David had to be obedient enough and stay around long enough to make a difference. You see, we have to begin to teach generations what happens in stories and in leaders like this with David because, yes, the truth of the end of this story is this. We serve a God who is so big. He is so merciful. He is so graceful. He is so loving. And he's the best friend that, yes, you know what the answer is? He will accept you back in when you confess and you believe. He will because he knows your heart. 
But your sin and your repentance doesn't give you an excuse to keep sinning. And this is the struggle that we live in today. I do not believe the generations that live around us understand the consequence of living apart from God. There are so many of you and so many of us that would leave this part today and you will have somebody, Christian person, look you in the face and say, Pastor Nick, I'm glad you got that conviction, but I don't have it. And you're like, wait a minute. I'm not talking like theology, like rapture, are we going here, here, or here? I'm talking like the heart of God. I'm talking like there's things that we could splice in the Bible that might separate us by Sunday morning at times, but, but, but there's just some things that are at the heart and the character of God that are just not negotiable in our life, amen? There is no way you can justify to me as you read these passages and you even look at David's life and you say, hey, this man is just like me. I know, I often know what's wrong and choose wrong, amen? I find myself daily doing stupid things. And oh, by the way, there's an enemy out there that when I'm not full in the spirit, when I'm not walking right, there's an enemy who doesn't just trip me, he is trying to hit me with a Mack truck. And I want to waken you this morning because I don't think that you think your destiny, your life, the end game for what God has for you is big enough to worry about. I don't think you see that the Bible says that when you find something in him, it is not just for yourself, but it is for others as well. You see, that's why the enemy puts, and I want you to recognize what the enemy is attacking. He's attacking your marriage because he wants another example. He wants another excuse, not another example. Come on. He's attacking your finances because he doesn't want you to learn how to be a giver. He doesn't want you to learn how to walk in the peace of God. There's an attack on so many different things in your life and we fail because, listen, some of us are just afraid to talk Bible sometimes because we may not know it or we struggle with our wording and maybe it's a little off on this side and is somebody gonna understand my heart? Man, some of you just need to start talking and let it flesh out. Some of you need to sit down and you need to just be, be okay and humble enough to say, hey, I, I'm learning how to word this, but I just wanna be honest with how I feel right now and I wanna just tell you that, hey, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on in me. Because I tell you what, when you look at David's life, you can't tell me those 70,000 people who passed away that day weren't worth him making a good leadership decision. Come on, somebody. We can't read this like a kid's book and just think there was no consequences to his leadership. We have to take it as leaders and as Christians and believers. I need you to hear me say it so clearly this morning. People are looking for examples. They've got enough excuses, so make a decision. I ended last week and we went into communion and I very, very clearly said it to most of you. I said, it is decision day. It is decision time. And I want to say it again because I think some of you need to keep hearing it. It is decision time for you. You continuously keep asking God why, why, what if, and when. And he honestly is just standing there with his arms wide open saying, when are you going to make the decision? When are you going to make the decision to come in line with what I have for you? Because I'm not coming in line with what you want for life. I'm going to come in line and I'm going to walk with you when you want to walk with me. You say, I think sometimes we flip the script and we forget he created us in the world. We forget it and we think it's the other way. <laughs> God's plan for our lives is so precious. And I'll tell you, every week, the more I look, and as I even share with you, 
through the ideas of the generations this morning, I want you to understand that it is so important for us to understand why there are certain attacks in our life. Why there are things that are going on in and around us. And I don't want you to keep arresting the wrong person. You know, for my married folk out there, how many times do we come home from a bad day of work and we take it out on one another? Come on. Mom and dad, maybe the same for your children. Children, maybe back to mom and dad. (laughs) You know. And so many times we arrest the wrong person with our words because we don't think words matter. The Bible says that your words are sharp as a two-edged sword. They, They can give life and they can take life. Come on. You know, I don't want to lead a group of people who just float in this cloud of Jesus. Come on. I want to lead a people who understand that they're led by the move and the power of the Holy Spirit. I want people to walk out of here on a Monday morning and maybe you don't know how to fully articulate all the things that God has fully placed in your heart, but you're bold enough, brave enough, and proud enough of your friend named Jesus. Come on. You're bold enough, brave enough, proud enough of your friend named Jesus to share with somebody what's happening in your life. There's so many of you that have looked at me and said, Nick, I want you to know that I'm here today because of the person I'm sitting next to. Come on. I want you to know that because they made a decision for Christ in a certain way, I had the strength to make a decision myself. You don't see yourself as a qualified leader. As a matter of fact, you see yourself as unqualified, most of you. And you don't realize that God this day wants to anoint you and to send you out, not to fulfill one of the five folds in ministry. Come on, I think we confuse it sometimes. Evangelism and an evangelist, although similar, serve two different ways. Please do me a favor and don't point to your past. Your past. will go into all the earth. You, yes, you, every one of you will go into all the earth and you'll tell them about me. Worship team, if you can join me this morning. Read with me if you have your Bible still. First Chronicles 21, 22. I'm gonna read, read, read through verse 26 together. David said to him, let me have the sight of your threshing floor so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Sell it to me at the full price. Arana said to David, take it. Let my Lord, the king, do whatever pleases him. Look, I will give the oxen for the burnt offerings, the threshing sledges for the wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. I will give all this. But King David replied to Arana, no, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours, a sacrifice, a burnt offering that costs me nothing. So David paid Aaron 600 shekels of gold for the site. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. He called on the Lord and answered him with the fire from heaven on the altar of burnt offering. 
But I love that David said as he began to recognize what was happening in his life and he started to arrest the, the real culprit, the real problem. And in this story, we actually have all three suspects in one story at work. And for many of you, I want you to hear me because the heart of getting to the next place is surrendering to God. Sometimes we overcomplicate what's next and we sit there and we, we try to pray decorated prayers and we try to find exact scriptures to fit what we're thinking and, and God's saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I am your friend. Come talk to me. Come meet with me. Now, you know, we read in the Old Testament and we understand that, that these burnt offerings this way are not necessary. Why? Why? Because the greatest offering of all was offered. Come on, somebody. And that's Jesus Christ. We don't have to offer up cows and chickens and whatever else they would do, right? Why? Because I want you to hear, it goes back to the heart attitude. He says it here, and even in some of your study Bibles, you'll read it this way, right? David's sin was not simply that he took the census. It was that he had a wrong motive for taking it. After extensive military victories, he seemed inclined to trust in a strong army rather than an all-powerful God. Come on, somebody. This is a man who defeated the largest armies with very little people. This is a man who, when he walked out, he, he come on, somebody walk this out with me this morning. This is a man who saw miracle after miracle after miracle happen. But when he settled in and the flesh took over a little bit, when he settled in and he didn't have wisdom because he wasn't listening to it, not that he didn't have it, he wasn't listening to it. And then on top of those things happening, when the enemy came in, Often in scripture, God got blamed. Here he said, wait a minute, God, I recognize it's me. I'm going to build an altar right here. Oh, and, 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 and by the way, a sacrifice that costs me nothing is worth nothing. Come on now. A sacrifice that costs me nothing is worth nothing. And so he said, listen, I, I, I thank you. And I want you to hear because the, we could read these tools and think, oh, that was really nice of that guy. He was going to give him like a hammer and a, and, a, and a pick. No, 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 no. You understand the man was going to give him what he used to make a living. Come on now. That man was going to give him the tools that he used out in the fields to make his living because what he recognized was that sacrifice pales in comparison to what God is about to do. And I want to challenge you where you're at today. What God is challenging you to sacrifice, what he's challenging you to put in front of him, what he's challenging you to lay at the altar. The altar is a place where things are brought to die. And some of you, you need to bring some things to God and let them die. Because they are the things and the very thing that stands between you and what's next with God. Darkness cannot dwell with light. And so we must come into agreement and understand this power that when we're walking in his will and his way, he is with us. But the minute we choose out, he's just near us. Come on. He cannot compromise because we chose compromise. His will and way is perfect. And I want to challenge you where you're at today. I don't know what it is that you're struggling with. I don't know what it is that you're facing. I don't know what the recent challenge is. I don't know what it is that you're trying to move and adjust. And because if we're not moving forward, we're going backwards. Amen. There is no perfect leaders in this church. I promise you. 
we all must run forward towards the cross today whatever it is I promise you it's worth giving up this man was going to give his tools so that he would have enough wood to make the altar and he said no 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 listen even if you were to give me these let me pay you properly for them not only pay you for your land but I'm going to pay you for your tools I'm going to pay you for the resources because a sacrifice come on a sacrifice that costs me nothing is worth nothing just stand with me as we close this morning for those of you that are going to be here to pray with people feel free to just come on up and be in the altars this morning in just a moment we're going to worship together and I'll pray for you but I want to challenge you understand that there's purpose on the attacks in your life. God does not desire that you would suffer. He wants you to listen. He wants you to hear Him. He wants you to walk with Him. He wants you to know His promise and live in His promise. And I challenge you today, whatever is going on in your relationships, whatever is going on in your life, whatever is going on in, in, in any situation, I want you just right now, even where you're at, just begin to lay it down. It's the same thing he's been asking from the beginning of the service. The purpose of an attack is to take something by force. I'm going to close by saying it this way. The desires of your own self, coupled with the power that the enemy desires to live with in our earth, is attempting to take your destiny at force. Is attempting to wreck and walk and move. And it is up to you to stand in prayer, to stand girded, to put on the armor of God. It is up to you to walk and live with God, knowing His promise is true. And so I just want to invite you this morning as we worship in closing today. If anybody here today does not know Jesus, I would love to pray with you before you leave today. The Bible says it so clearly, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that He is Lord, then you are in communion with Him. And so if that's you today, please do me a favor. Do not leave this building without giving us a chance to just partner with you. We want to encourage you, even as you may even be saying that prayer right now. For those of you that are here today and you know God, I promise you whatever you're about to sacrifice is worth it. What God has put in front of you to put at His altar is worth what comes from the burnt offering. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. I thank you for the friends, the families here. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst. And God, I just simply ask two things. One, if there are people here today that do not know you, I thank you that you've opened their eyes this morning and that, Lord, they wouldn't leave this building, Lord, without just saying yes to you, God. Beginning that journey in such a fresh way, God knowing that your arms are wide open, your mercy is real, and your grace abounds. Lord, I secondly ask this morning that for those of us that are walking with you and know you and love you and call you Savior, God, that you would show us what it is we need to lay at the altar to die today. We fully understand that what's to come in the next season, 
we can only travel so far up the mountain with what you've put in our bag and we just ask God if there's unnecessary weight if there's things that we should just be leaving at the foot of the mountain before we climb it I ask right now God that you would show us that and that we would empty it of our bags Lord that you would take it from our lives that you would remove it you would show us how to place it down at the foot of the mountain so that we could climb to the highest points with you because your scriptures tell us who may ascend the hill of the Lord he who has clean hands and a pure heart and so we thank you God this morning that you would purify our hearts as we put before you a sacrifice we understand God that it is not by our works that we are saved we understand that we can't do we can't outgive we can't there's nothing physically God outside of what the condition of our heart is and so we thank you for that God you know our hearts and today we surrender we choose surrender knowing that it's worth it God Lord we give you all the glory all the honor and the praise in Jesus name all God's people said Amen, amen, amen. Well, church, this.